How is everybody doing? You got your Bibles? Romans chapter 2. Open up. We're going to back up just one verse. We ended on verse 11. We're going to pick up in verse 11, continuing in our three-part series here in Romans, God's righteousness revealing the unrighteousness of mankind. Last week, we looked at three ways that people or humankind have rejected God. What was the first thing they do? They suppress or they repress the truth of God. What's the next thing that they did? They reject. And the third thing that we do? Reason. I'm all right, right? This week, we're going to look at three more things, and it is the the title of the message, Morality, Law, and Action. This goes into the, the new process of thinking of it's not just the rejection of God, but it's, it's based on how we live our lives, whether we think we're okay because of our morality, whether we think we're okay because we obey the law or we keep the law, or whether we think we're okay uh, combining those two together and, and doing things for our own comfort in thinking that we're okay before God. Romans chapter 2, verse 11 The Jew first and also the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. Many people throughout history believe that God judged with partiality, that he would look at some people and say, these guys are going to be uh, judged by a different measure than these guys, specifically the Jews. And they believe, the Jews, that they would be judged differently than the rest of the world. And we're going to get into that in the second point, the law. But But the truth is... And God's word teaches us that God is, does not judge with partiality. He looks at everybody on the same level. Even now, in our New Testament faith in Jesus Christ, have you guys ever heard the, the term before? The ground is level at the cross. When we all come to the cross, we're all on the same level. Nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody's greater than anybody else. Nobody can get closer to God than anybody else, except there is one condition. You can be closer to God than other people. Do you know how that is? Is that you are just actively, passionately pursuing him. Because there's some people who just are comfortable with sitting down and and listening to a Bible study or, or being provoked occasionally to change their mentality or to repent of their sins, but there's other people, and I hope and pray that I'm in that category, that are pursuing him. Like, God, I don't want my life to stop changing for your glory. I don't want to stop learning what you have to teach me. I don't want to stop addressing the issues in my life because you guys know what the truth is. I have issues. And if you don't believe me, ask my wife. She'll tell you no, Because, you know, she's awesome. But she knows. She knows what the real issues are. And if I have issues, and I know that I do, and you know that I do, then you guys have issues too. And you have to be today, this morning, in a place like, Lord, deal with my issues. Deal with my stuff that I brought this morning. Deal with the things that that I'm not even really willing to address right now. God is faithful, and when, he, when we come to him in that way, he reveals himself to us, he draws us closer to him than we can ever be, and then that process 
just continues and continues. I find that the older I get in the Lord, the more I have to be pursuing him than I did when I was younger. I thought it was going to get easier. The flesh stinks. It reeks. And I start to let myself go a little bit, and then I start to veer off course so quickly. Remember, remember where you're at today and listen to what the Lord has to teach you and address the issues in your heart. Chapter 2, verse 12, For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. What does this mean? It means whether or not a person believes that they're okay morally, if they don't have the law, but there's something in them that, that is showing them they're, you know, what's right and what's wrong, they're going to be judged according to those things that they know are right and wrong. And if they have the law, they're going to be judged because the law, that's what the law's job is. It's to show people their deficiencies. And when they know what their deficiencies are, it sets them up. It puts them in a place to be able to respond to God. See, nobody's perfect. We don't use that like as a cop-out. We understand that nobody's perfect and, and that by God, whether it's by morality or by the law, God wants us to be in a place where we understand and agree with him and we're willing to come to him and say, God, this is who I am. I don't want to stay like this. I have issues. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these although not having the law or a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Let's back up and look at verse 14 again. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts. People around the world understand, they know there's some kind of moral compass, something that God has written in their hearts that, that they are guilty in, in some way. Nobody can claim that, that they're perfect and that they have everything together and everything's okay. It's been written in their hearts. They understand it. Their conscience, what's a conscience? It's something that tells you whether it's right or wrong. And there's no argument, again, there's no argument that that is the, the reality of humankind. That even if they measure themselves by their morality, there's going to be a falling short. Their conscience also bears witness, and between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. Now, this isn't speaking positionally like they're being excused or they're, they're being accused by God or by somebody else. This is how they justify it in themselves. Well, I do this, so I'm okay. I have this standard, so I'm all right. But the reality of what Paul is saying is that it just shows you that you are unrighteous. It's the righteousness of God revealing the unrighteousness of humankind. It's just him showing us our position 
And that's good. We may think, that's not very cool, God. I don't want to know really where I'm at positionally before you. But when we know, again, when we know we're in a place to where we can respond to him. It's not a bad thing that he shows us that we're morally deficient. It's a good thing. See, when we deal with that pride in our lives that says to us we're okay, when we put it to the side and say, no, I'm not okay, and I need God to help me, I want to submit myself to him, then we're in the right place. And then look at verse 16. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Man, that's a scary word. Two scary words. What are those two words that kind of scare you a little bit? Judgment and secrets. There's a lot of people who don't talk about God's judgment. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And part of that gospel is that mankind is going to be judged. We talk about love all the time. We talk about God's love. We want it to apply to us. We should be applying it to others. We talk about God's grace. We talk about God's mercy. But we also have to consider from time to time, nay, including it in the gospel that we're living and and preaching, that there is a, a level of judgment that mankind is going to incur. It doesn't have to be at the forefront of what we're saying because it wasn't for Paul either. <clears throat> but it has to be there. It has to be there. Notice the secrets as well. See, everything is going to be laid bare before God, and he knows everything already. But even the secrets, even the things that, that only I know about, we don't see this God who comes in wrath and swinging a sword and chopping people's heads off. But we see a God who says, I, I know you. <laughs> I know you. I know what your secrets are. I know what your disposition is. I know what, what makes you tick, so to speak. And if we're honest with ourselves and we're honest with the secrets, even our secret sin that we have, we would take those very quickly before God and say, God, here I am. Now, this, again, applies to the whole world, but we have to consider this morning how these three things also apply to us. We cannot be Christians or disciples, followers of Jesus who are following him, but at the same time equating our goodness or our righteousness before God on some level of morality. If we're ever in a place where we're willing to say, I'm okay and I have a set of of convictions that I live by that God understands, if we ever say that, we're in a bad place. We always have to say every day, but by the grace of God, but by the cross of Jesus Christ, I would be in a different place right now. Because I know I would be. I would not be here right now if it wasn't for the cross and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I could not do it. I couldn't do it. My level of morality, what, you know, maybe there were some things that were good or whatever, and there was sin issue that I had to deal with. It was by God's grace that he brought me into his family. And I can never look at my life, we can never look at our lives as having some kind of morality that makes us okay. No, it's, it's because of Jesus 
and Jesus alone. Number one, morality. We're going to go in the next section now, and we're going to look specifically at the law. Paul's audience was to the population of Rome, which was a mixed population, but there was a great number of Jews that lived in Rome. And some of those Jews were in Jerusalem at Pentecost, and it listed them in the people that heard the praises of God as the Holy Spirit fell and people started speaking in different tongues. They heard in their languages, the the Roman language, they heard the great works of God. So then they go back to Rome. A church is started. Some years go by. Paul saying, I want to go to you. I, I hope that I can soon. And then the church is growing. They're in a good place, but, but it's comprised of Gentiles and Jews. And then Paul, in, in speaking directly to the church, he's addressing the Jews in this next section. Indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law. And make your boast in God, and know his will, and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law. Right there, we're going to take take a pause because Paul lists six things that the Jews place themselves on a higher plateau, a higher standard than everybody else. Those six things that they believe God gave them that made them better than everybody else. That's what the Jews thought of that day. Make no mistake. The Jews thought that they were better than everybody else. The first thing, they were called Jews. You know what the word Jews means? The word Jews means Praise to Jehovah. That's what Jews means. Praise to Jehovah. And they are called Jews. Many Jews throughout history, instead of just saying uh, their name or their full name, they would attach the title of being a Jew after it. If I was a Jew, you know, back in the day, I, could, I would say, my name is Timothy Warholic, comma, the Jew. And the reason that they would do that is because they took pride in the fact that they were the ones that God had picked and chosen, and they attached themselves directly to it. Number two, possession of the law. Possession alone of the law gave them, they believed, the unique standing before God that nobody else had or could have. And that was just possession alone. We're going to go in and see how Paul dismantles that for them. Number three, they boasted in God. They boasted in God for who they were because they were chosen by God. Does that ring any bells? There's people who boast in in God because they believe they were chosen apart from others by God. Number four, they pride themselves on knowing his will, meaning they knew God's will and others didn't. So that made them better than the other people. They discern the things that are essential They had a special kind of discernment from God that set them apart and made them better. And then number six, they were instructed from the law. Notice two things that they, one of those things was that they had received the law, they had it, and another was that they were instructed, but none of those things was of them actually doing what they were supposed to do, which is what Paul's going to get into next. Verse 19, and are confident that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in the darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of the babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? 
You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you, not, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you as it is written." Here's the problem with their position as being superior than everybody else. The law was not given to them so that they could be superior over everybody else. The law was given to them to show them their own deficiencies. And you see how that works if they take some kind of pride in having the law, if they take some kind of confidence in having a relationship with God, but they're breaking the law and they're doing the very things that they were instructed to do, then they're in a pretty bad place. Because they were supposed to be the ones that were the light to the world, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. They were set apart to show the glory of God. But then they switched. They started to break the law, even though they thought that they were doing the things that they were supposed to to do. And it made the rest of the world look at them and blaspheme God. Oh, these are God's people. This is what they're doing. This is how they're acting. Also sounds a little familiar When you think about the condition of the church today, there are some churches that pride themselves on following law. I don't understand it. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not connected to a checklist of to-dos. It's by the grace of God alone. Have you guys ever seen those vehicles, cars, or trucks driving around? They have those magnetic signs or even a, a, a thing printed They stick on the back of their truck or on the side, and it's the Ten Commandments. Have you guys ever seen those? I see them all the time. I don't know if I'm the only one. But I think to myself, why would you do that? Why would you you put yourself in a position making yourself look not smart when God doesn't judge according to the law anymore? Not to mention, you have these Ten Commandments on the back of your truck, and you just cut me off. That's your God? You're that kind of Christian or whoever, huh? I knew it. I know what to expect from you guys. And then they blaspheme God because they think those people represent God because they have a picture of the Ten Commandments on their truck, and they don't. And I've never talked to any of these people, and I'd love to, but let's say if I did have a conversation, how would it go? Are you a representative of the law? As if the law can save anybody? We already tried that. Go read the Old Testament. It didn't work. And if they say, oh, well, you know, I do it as like a a conversation piece. Uh, People ask me about it, and I say, listen, this is what I would say. I thought about this, okay? I'd say, listen, I'm not going to walk around with with a necklace with a marijuana leaf on it, like some people do, hoping to strike up conversation with people and tell them I'm against marijuana. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to tell them straight up what's going on. And you showing people that you think that, that it's by the law that you're saved, you're, you're, you're misguided. You're misguiding people. It's not about the law. It's about the grace of God. I couldn't keep the law. You can't keep the law. The Jews couldn't keep the law. So if it's an issue of morality and you're okay, it's not good enough. If it's an issue of the law, you have the law and you you practice the law, it's not good enough. 
It's not now, it wasn't then, and it never will be. There's also uh, those kinds of churches that have rules and regulations. We call them uh, legalistic. Have you guys ever heard that Christian term before? They're legalistic. This is what you can do as a Christian. This is what you cannot do. The problem with legalism is as soon as legalism starts to creep into the church, the gospel of grace starts to get crippled in reaching people's hearts because it's no longer about what God does for us or what he did for us. It becomes what you can do for God. And God wants you to wear a suit to church every Sunday. And God doesn't want drums in the church. And God wants you to wear a little covering on your head to show that you're under his authority. And God wants you to do this. And God wants you to do that and this and that. You know, there's a reason that God only gave us two things to obey in the New Testament. What are those two things? You church know. The two things, baptism and communion are it. That's it. Celebrate the Lord's Supper. Do what I say. Love. Okay, we're talking about love one another too. But the two things that we are able to, in obedience, respond to the Lord in are, are the Lord's Supper and baptism, showing that we are submitted to Him. There's not this long list of things that are necessary. And even some people will try to argue whether those are required. That's not the point. The point is that there isn't a laundry list of do's and don'ts. Yes, there are certain convictions that we follow as Christians. There are certain things that aren't good for you, okay? You have the Holy Spirit. God tells you, these are things that I don't want you involved in. You've got a problem drinking, don't go to bars. You've got a problem smoking, don't take your break outside. You've got a problem X, Y, Z. Respond wisely in the right way. And then don't say, hey, because I have this conviction, this should be yours too. Because God pressed on my heart what I should, how I should live before him in righteousness. And this is something that he convicted me about doing. So you better do it too. And you better be waking up every morning and doing your devotions for at least 15 minutes before you go to work. And you better be doing this and that and these things. That's the law. Moses is the one who gave the law. Grace and peace came through Jesus Christ. It's not morality. It's not the law. It's by grace that you're saved through faith, not by works, lest any person should boast. You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. I want that to mean something to me today. I want to live my life in such a way that I am above reproach. That people can't say, oh, Tim is the guy, right? Tim is the guy. This is his God, and these are the things he does. No, I've said it before. I, I don't mind saying it again. Repetition is good for learning for all of us. I want to represent God rightly. I want to represent him well. I don't want to be put in that category of the so-sos. Do you want to be a so-so? Ah, they're so-so. Everybody makes mistakes. I don't want that to be an excuse for me. I don't want that to be an excuse for you. I don't want that to be an excuse for us as a church. 
I want people to be able to look at us and say, man, those people love Jesus. And they're not, they're not about morality. They're not about having some kind of standard inside that they live up to. They're not about legalism and doing things because they think that by doing them, they're going to have some better place or standing before God. They're not about acts. This is the next thing that we're going to look at, action. And it's different from morality and law in that it is specific things that you would do. For the Jews, one of the biggest, most important laws of the Old Testament was was the law of circumcision, that they had to be circumcised. In fact, they believed, and some rabbis taught throughout history, that as long as somebody was circumcised as a Jew, they could never go to hell. Circumcision was that thing that gave them true fellowship with God for eternity. And even if they were circumcised and they lived the rest of their life like hell, when they went to hell, Abraham was sent to be at the gates as everybody was going in. And if anybody was, was uh, circumcised, then he wouldn't let them go in. He'd send them to heaven. This is what they thought. It's this, it's this action This thing that's of supreme importance. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law, but if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. It's this thing that symbolizes that you are a Jew, but by your actions you show that you're not a Jew. It's like this, you know. I like Toyotas. You guys know that? It's like me buying a Chevy and putting a Toyota emblem on the front of it. Is it a Toyota? No. It'll never be as good as a Toyota. <laughs> it doesn't matter what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. It's who you are. That's the heart, your heart, your engine, four-cylinder, six or eight. I, I, like, you know, I heard that the Toyota is releasing the, the diesel in the U.S., Now they're going to have pickup trucks. Just a side note. I don't know if you guys are taking notes or anything, but (laughs) might want to jot that down. (laughs) When we come before God, it's not about our action. It's not some one one thing that we can put confidence in. I have a a story that I want to share with you guys. This person was, was close to me. We're not so close anymore, but we were close at a, at a point in time. And they were, they were in a difficult situation. They were going through a, a tough season. And he approached me and said, hey, uh, I don't have anywhere to live right now. Could I, could I move in with you for a little bit? And I said, yeah, you can move in with me, but, you know, we have some rules. No sex, drugs, or rock and roll. And this guy happened to like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know. So I'm like, when you're living with us... Or me and my roommate, you, you can't you can't do those things. And he's like, oh yeah, no, no worries, no problem. So he came and and he moved in with us. And this is at a point where I was really strongly at the beginning of my walk with the Lord. I was really seeking the Lord and and following Him. And this guy, man, he just couldn't. He, he just I just I asked him to just tone it down because I knew him really well. We were really close, you know. Uh, but he could not stop cussing, like every other word out of his mouth. And he's, I mean, I'll never forget, standing out on, on our balcony, ta- trying to talk to him, you know, sharing the Lord with him. And he's just smoking a cigarette and cussing like a sailor. And, and, and I'm like, bro, like, 
you're, you're not in, a, in the right place w- w- before the Lord. He's like, yeah, I am. I'm, me and God are fine. You know, I've got this thing, you know. I'm like, what? He said, I got this thing where I stopped eating pork. And I said, so what does that have to do with anything? He's like, well, I stopped eating pork, so uh, it compensates for the other things that, that, I, that I do do. Uh, don't say anything about that. But um, it compensates for the other things. So, so it, that was a big commitment. It was very difficult for me. It's still very hard for me. You know how I felt about bacon. I love pork, but the Old Testament and the Bible was very clear that, that you're not allowed to eat pork, and, and they wouldn't eat pork, and it gave them better standing before God. So I figure... That if I stop eating pork, then I'm, I'm closer to God. And, and he doesn't care so much about those other things that, you know, that I do, that I, that I still like to do. I'm like, listen, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble because anybody that thinks that they can call themselves a Christian and continue to live in sin is deceived. And you are deceived. You are not a Christian. You are not walking with God. You're doing things on your own terms. And I don't care if you have one paramount commitment or action to God to make yourself feel better before Him. It doesn't work. There's nothing that you can offer God. You will always fall short. I think that there's other people that believe that too. It's not just a standard of morality or things that they do or don't do. It's not that they obey or or are under the law, but it's it's that they do this one thing, like I treat my family really well. My family's my priority, therefore I should have some standing before God. No, this isn't about your family. If you're a good leader, it would be even better if you were following the Lord for your family's sake. If you were seeking him and not just offering him this sacrifice. It's something that we see all throughout the scripture, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. God desires obedience and not sacrifice. It's one of those things that that concept, I'm so passionate and in love with that idea that that God is not a respecter of persons, and he's not going to be making decisions or changing his mind about people based on the sacrifices that they have to offer him. God owns everything. One of the Psalms says that he has a, a cattle on a thousand hills. What does he need from you? What are you going to give him some kind of sustenance that, that he can't get from himself? Or that he can't create himself? He created the world out of nothing. And, and your sacrifice to him has some kind of standing? It doesn't. That's why God desires obedience. It's a broken and contrite heart. God You are God. You can do anything you want. You have chosen to love me. You have given your son, Jesus Christ, for my sins. I don't want to ever be in the kind of mentality that it's the things that I do for God that give me some kind of standing before him. And that's for the rest of the world, too. The Bible talks about this stuff because these are the kinds of things that we can have dialogue with people about. It's not about morality. It's not about legalism or obeying some law. It's not about your actions or the things that you're convinced of. It's about obedience. It's about submission to God alone. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not an uncircumcision, will not uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? 
And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code of cir- and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? Now, understand what Paul's doing is he's using the idea and principle of, of circumcision as an illustration to the Jews. He's by no means saying that we're still under this Old Testament law of circumcision. What he's saying is it symbolizes this circumcision. He's able to show what the difference is between what you do outwardly and what is actually going on inwardly. And we can understand that too. The sign of circumcision was an outward sign that you could tell. But really what matters is, What's inside? Because here's the reality. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You could be a wicked, wretched person on the inside, and you cannot fake it till you make it. You can. You can try, but you will not be able to do it. And it will only be a matter of time before people see your true colors because that's who you are inside, and it is revealed to you. You can move on to the next place and be there for a year or a couple of years. But you can't conceal that until you get right with God. You cannot just conceal it and it'll start coming out again. And then people will start to see again who you are. And then, and then it'll be time to move again. You know, my mom said something to me when I was young, and it's one of those things, you know, that, that stuck with me, has stuck with me and will stick with me for the rest of uh, my life. She said, you ever see somebody who moves around a lot? Always, every one or, you know, one or two years, they're always moving around. It's because they're running from something, and it usually means that they're running from themselves because it's not the people in those places that they get upset and frustrated with. It's that they can never get away from who they really are, and the people are just showing them what ultimately starts to come out. And that's really true if you think about it. There's only a certain amount of time that you can try to cover up and conceal who you are really inside. People are going to start seeing and responding to that. You're going to be uncomfortable, and then it's going to be time to pack up your bags because these people stink and they're always judging me and I hate them and they're so dumb, blah, 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 blah. And then go somewhere else and everything's fine and then it starts to break down again. So the better option is just be honest with yourself before God. God, I don't want to be this person anymore. Why do people take pride in who they are? It's part of the human condition. Just give up. Just give up and say, this is the kind of person I am. I don't want to be this person anymore. I don't want my life to demonstrate the actions of what's really inside. And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who, even with your written code and circumcision, are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. And the same is true for you and for me. He is not a Christian who is one outwardly. 
but he is a Christian who is one inwardly first. And from his life overflows that regeneration that has taken place, that miraculous healing of the carnal man. That is the biggest difference between who I was before I knew the Lord and who I am now. I'm less about the carnal man life. I'm not about that life. I'm less about the carnal man life and I'm more about the spiritual man responding to people in the spirit. You know the difference when you respond to somebody in the flesh versus when you respond to somebody in the spirit is a big difference. And when we wake up every morning, we don't want to be people that just call ourselves Christians and go to this Bible study or go to that church. We want to be people who have that coming out from inside, the spiritual man, the fruits of the Spirit being manifest. Love, patience, kindness, gentleness, joy, self. I know they weren't in order. That's not the point. The fruit of the Spirit coming from our lives and not responding to people based on the carnal man. But he is a Jew who is one, he is a Christian who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the Spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Think about those three things this morning. And think about those three things the rest of this week. Are we the kind of people who lean a little bit more on our morality than where we are positionally before God because of Jesus Christ? And we just make that adjustment. We don't want to lean on morality. We don't want to lean on the fact that we do nice things for people. That's not what it's about. You're You're not Mother Teresa, You're going to get some kind of standing in the world's eyes because you're doing all these things. Morality is not the answer. It's a condition of the heart, and it's submitting to God and acknowledging that He alone holds the keys to your salvation and right relationship with Him, Jesus Christ. It's not about law. It's not about law. Nobody could ever measure up according to the law. When I was a young believer, I was very legalistic. I thought that being a Christian was doing the right things. And then God started to break me down in His grace. And I've seen the manifold grace of God in my life. And if I've seen it and experienced it, how can I not give it to others? That's what God is about. God is about that grace. Sin is still addressed. The law still shows us our deficiency, but God responds to us in grace. And then lastly, again, action. What are your actions? Why do you do those things that you do? And do you put some kind of confidence in that one or multiple things, thinking that it makes you a better Christian because of them, which it's not true. What makes you a better Christian is Jesus Christ, (laughs) is the Holy Spirit in you, walking in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, producing the fruits of the Spirit through your life. Amen? Let's pray.
Father, we need you today, just like every day, not just on the day that we come corporately together to praise you and glorify and honor your name, but all week. We need you, Lord, to remind us about these issues, morality, law, and action. We need you to teach us again what true submission looks like, what obedience looks like. Thank you for instructing us in righteousness, not just what applies to the world, but these things that also apply to us as well. Father, we give you this week. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that we would walk in your spirit so that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh, that we would be right representatives of who you are, that we would represent you well, that we would represent you rightly, and that nobody would have any kind of opportunity to blaspheme your name based on what we do or say. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.